0: This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Waltons, Aluma Trailers, North Dakota Tourism, Federal Ammunition, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. Today we're taking a deep dive into America's 2022 pheasant hunting forecast. Jared Wickland from Pheasants Forever is my guest. We'll break down the pheasant country by state and by region within those states to help you plan your fall hunts welcome to another episode of the flush podcast i'm travis frank i'm your host brandon morton as always as our producer brandon a big Job well done to you, and thank you for all of your hard work putting on the live show last week. We had some wind, we had some rain, we had some unruly co-hosts, Ron Sherriff. We had a few great guests, which made it a fun show to be a part of. Thank you to everyone that came out and for our sponsors for helping us gear up all of our guests. Brandon, any thoughts from the live show that stood out to you? Yeah, I thought it was a really good time. I had a blast. Uh, Bear Cave is a really cool venue. Uh, I've never been there before. I am definitely going back. And it was just a good time had by all. And Ron was Ron. And that's why we love him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you you love it. And his good days, you love him. On his bad days, you love him too. And uh, that's what makes him so dang special. Uh, We did have a lot of cool gear and and items to give away to Onyx came Ben my buddy from Onyx he brought their new hats that haven't that aren't even available to the public which are really cool hats we gave away Onyx elite memberships which is like their best membership uh shirts federal uh had hats and they had some 100 year anniversary swags and so much more and the cool thing about that place was yeah I mean it was a great setting uh but um, we're doing it again, Brandon. <laughs> they want us back. And if you missed out on the live show, we have another one coming up. October 13th at 7 p.m. once again at Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota. That's actually just a couple of days before Minnesota's pheasant hunting opener. So if you live in Minnesota and you're getting pumped up for the pheasant opener. I think we'll have a pheasant opener theme. I'm also gonna be getting off of a a long bender in the grouse woods. So I'll have a lot of stories from grouse hunting and hopefully a lot of information. I'm gonna be hunting in different places in Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, for rough grouse and woodcock. And uh, it's just, it's an exciting time because everything is happening right there, mid-October. So once again, another live show, we're coming back. Brandon, you ready for that? I think I am. <laughs> and we were out. We were outside last time, so like I mentioned, we had some wind, we had some rain. I'm told they're going to move us inside uh, for this next one, but if it's nice out, I actually wouldn't mind being back up on the rooftop. That was a cool place. Oh, the rooftop was really cool. I wouldn't mind it again either, uh, just as long as it's a little warmer. <laughs> And maybe it'd be better if it didn't uh, look like rain was on the front, too. But, you know, that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. It's all part of the job. Anyway, let's move right along today. We've got an exciting show. It's actually one of my favorite episodes each year because we get to do a deep dive into the state-by-state pheasant hunting forecast. Pheasants Forever gives a big... Um, it's a big production. Jared Wicklin joins us today. Uh, Jared, how long have you been with Pheasants Forever now?
1: Boy, that's a great question. So
0: so long that I can't remember when I started. <laughs> it was uh,
1: yeah. uh, I'm just over just over a dozen years now.
0: Okay, and is this kind of one of your favorite projects to be a part of too? You know, it it
1: is. Um, I used to when I first started. Uh, I actually had two years in a role that I wrote the entire forecast and, and you're absolutely right. It is, it is a huge production. And I guess from my point of view, I, I think it's the most comprehensive report out there for pheasant hunters to give sort of a preview of the season. There's other groups that, that do their, you know, do uh pheasant, pheasant hunting forecasts, but um, you know, several of them are before roadside counts even come out. And at, at that point it's a little bit more of a shot in the dark Um, you're going more off of anecdotal evidence than, you know, Mm -hmm. using the roadside counts to kind of define, uh, you know, who, what, where, when, why for, for, for pheasants. So, um, it, it really is an awesome report. We spend a lot of time doing it. Uh, we outsource a little bit of it now. Um, but there's a lot of us in the office that are still heavily involved in it and, uh, getting it online for hunters to enjoy.
0: Yeah, I know you've got a big hand in it. I know Tom Carpenter has a big hand in it. A lot of your field biologists have a big hand in it. Um, But you also work with State, uh, Department of Natural Resources, Fish and Game. I mean, there's just a lot of of, uh, moving parts to this and a lot of people involved. Yep. Um, Do you ever go back and look at previous years and say, did we hit here? Did we miss? Like, was this pretty accurate? Yeah.
1: You know, every... Maybe every once in a while, um, I, I like to give I like to make sure that we're giving people um, you know pretty solid info. And mm-hmm. you know, I think in some respects, every once in a while, you'll get folks out there be like, oh, this is you know, this is hot spotting, and you know there's there're gonna be so many people in this area from year to year. And it's like, well, you know, Northwest Iowa, uh, around Aberdeen, South Dakota, um, you know, Southwest Minnesota. I wouldn't say those are, I wouldn't say those areas are like unknown to pheasant hunters. I mean, yeah. they, year after year, they typically have the the highest counts and that type of thing. So I don't, I don't necessarily go back. Um, but I, I, I do get a lot of reporters calling us early on in the, early on in the, in the, in the autumn, in the fall, um, mm-hmm. like way, way before roadside counts are even published. And they're like, well, you know, tell us how it's going to be. And I always I always pull the reins back a little bit and say, whoa, 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 whoa. If you, if you guys want a really good, like, hardcore forecast, you're going to have to wait a few weeks. Because it's not until roadside counts come out that we really get a clear picture of the pheasant abundance from year to year in any particular state.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like those roadside counts, I mean, for the most part they're going to give you a good idea, but there's not a hundred percent accurate because weather can play a role in it. Um, moisture can play a role in what's on the road, what's out in the grass. I mean, things like that, but overall, do you feel like you're getting a pretty solid number?
1: Yeah, I think overall it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty solid survey all around. Um, we get, you know, plenty of comments online and stuff and be like, Oh, you know, the Department of Natural Resources or Game and Fish—they don't know what they're talking about, and this and that. And they, you know, they haven't moved their—they haven't moved their routes. They haven't moved their routes in 30 years, and things have changed. But uh, you know what they don't realize is that a lot of those routes, whether they're rural or they even go through some more more urban areas now. I would call like where I live in in the Northeast Twin Cities more urban now. With there's more houses up and that type of thing. But you have to have you have to have that data set. Over a long period of time, uh, Minnesota is good at it. Iowa, where I used to work, is really good at it. I mean, they've got over 60 years of roadside data uh, that really shows the fluctuations in, in, in habitat and weather from year to year. And You could sort of have to have those same routes in order to uh, show changes over time. So it, there really is some some science behind it. Um, are they 100% accurate? Absolutely not. Uh, I think, you know, one of our volunteers that you, you know, Scott Rawl, don't you, Travis? Oh,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Down, yep.
1: down in Nobles County in the Southwest. Um, you, you talk to him and he helps the DNR out. He does a, well, a roadside count, uh, you know, one of the, one of the survey routes for them. And I forget what the number was. It wasn't a huge number when he went out for his first, first time this year. And even the second time, and he had to submit those numbers because they were due for the survey. And then he goes out on what happened to be like an awesome day, clear sky, heavy dew, no wind, and he recorded like three three times the amount of pheasants. But you can't put that on the report because the, the the report's already being tallied. So mm. um, there there are fluctuations, uh, you know, in the amount of in the amount of birds that are going to be out on the landscape, uh, and even even in uh, you know one survey to another um, when you move through areas that just have quality habitat, um, if you pick a, pick a bad day or or a day that's, you know, let's say the weather for that day is about 80, percent 100% being the the best conditions for roadside surveys. If you go out on like a, you know, 75 or 80% day, um, you're probably going to see less birds just due to the amount of moisture that's on the landscape and those birds maybe not coming out to the road as early or as often or as much. So, um, yeah, I think that there are fluctuations, um, but between roadside counts, um, that the, the state agencies put out, maybe doing some of your own. We just had an awesome story on that about how Andrew Johnson, um, and John Pullman in South Dakota went out and sort of did their own around the areas that they like to hunt and then doing scouting. When you combine all three of those things together, um, you're, you're set up. It's a recipe for success on, on, uh, when pheasant opens in a few weeks here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To get this full report that we're going to touch on, uh, you can head to pheasantsforever.org. On the landing page, you're going to see a big um, banner on top that says 2022 pheasant hunting forecast. And then you can scroll over each state, which is yeah. cool. And then you get a, a, a like a region by region breakdown of each state. Um <clears throat> Do you, Jared, when you're planning your own hunts, I know you do a lot of pheasant hunting and I know you travel quite a bit, just like a lot yep. of pheasants yep. are ever in place. How much of your travels do you base on this information?
1: Um, probably, probably a fair amount. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe 50-50. Um, I like to go to places that have perennial habitat existing, especially like, um, you know, like I, I mentioned Aberdeen earlier. Aberdeen is just a wonderful area. They've got the most public land in the state in South Dakota. Um, there's, there's always going to be birds there. They're going to fluctuate with, you know, with weather and, and a few habitat changes. But like you look at what uh, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks has done there. You look at what our local chapter has done there with the, the Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition. And they've put in like over 5,000 acres of new CRP contracts, all tied to public access to walk in acres or to credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're identifying those areas that year after year after year have solid uh habitat whether it's uh on a 10-year walking contract or it's just permanently protected uh as a you know a wildlife management area um or a game production area what what have you um that to me that's a recipe for success so i think the biggest thing w- when i'm planning trips is i look for perennial habitat permanent that's going to be there and you're always going to have a complex if you're going after large complexes in some of these states they're always going to hold birds um uh, to what level really depends on uh you know habitat and weather um mm-hmm. but when the weather cooperates and we get nice increases like we've seen in some of the states this year um you know you're you're setting yourself up for success
0: i think the general feel going into this hunting season for pheasants in particular is optimism. I think yep. uh, overall people are feeling good. Um, there are some regions that we're gonna break, it, break down here that we're gonna have drought effect. Some regions are, they've seen unbelievable rebounds from last the 2021 drought and yep. the best habitat that maybe we've seen in decades on the land. And as a result, birds are there. But overall, do you say, if you're a pheasant hunter Dang it, get yourself excited this year. This is going to be a good season.
1: I, I'd say so. Like you pointed out, I mean, there's going to be regional differences in, in some of the states that you're going to. But uh, sort of the name of the game is that the, the farther north that you're traveling this year in pheasant country, the better it's going to get. Um, we've gotten more rain in some of the northern reaches. Uh, the drought is still holding tight to the south. But, but yes, absolutely. And some of the big, uh, what I'd call the big big eight pheasant states, Um, You know, it's Montana, Colorado, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, uh, uh, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, and and some parts of Kansas. Um, It's going to be pretty good. And if I were a pheasant hunter, um, or if you're getting into it for the first time, um, like take Minnesota, for instance, uh, most of the counts this year were above the 10-year averages um, for for the pheasant survey. That bodes pretty well for hunters. Um, People should be excited about that. There's a lot of a lot of brown, uh, there's a lot of brown on the on the Pheasant Prospects map, meaning I think it's more mm-hmm. than uh, 40, I think it's 40 birds per route. Um, yeah, 49, so, it's above.
0: yeah, so yeah, let's, let's do this. We're, we're in Minnesota, let's start with, let's do the breakdown of Minnesota. If, when you click on this map, it, it breaks down each county, and then it kind of has very poor, poor, fair, and good. Very poor being less than 10 birds um, per square mile. Um, over 49 being good. And there are patches of that good across much of the state this year. Uh, a lot of fair, some poor, some very poor in areas that you typically would see it. But, um, It's interesting that, you know, you talked about Scott Rall, Nobles County. I had Scott on this podcast a couple months ago or weeks ago, and he talked about what Mm -hmm. it's like to go on a roadside count. And he mentioned that he was still conducting them, so he didn't have answers. But I'm looking at his area, and, you know, his numbers aren't as impressive down there in that county, and it reflects it. But like you said, he wasn't able to submit his best count.
1: Yep. Yep. So you know he he ran the counts on the on his best days, and it just happened to be that af- afterwards he he runs counts all the time. He does a what he calls a wildlife drive pretty often, um, yep. and he was he's seeing plenty of birds. And that's where those sort of regional county differences can come into play. Just because just because a place like uh, you know Nobles or Murray County. Um, You know has has different colors throughout it and not that not that brown the good more than 49 birds per square mile that uh that that doesn't mean the hunting can't be lights out so uh those are those regional differences that you're going to find and and for this year i think if you go if you go back go back a few years for the roadside counts and you just uh compare prospect maps this this colored map on here I think you're going to find there's a lot more there's a lot more good areas on it this year than there have been in the past. And that's a that's a good sign that that abundance is trending in the right direction for 2022.
0: A couple of places stick out to me. Jackson County and Pipestone. Those are areas that I would expect to have a lot more birds. And it says very poor this year, less than 10. Do you know what's up with that?
1: That could be a number of different things. Uh, I know Pheasants Forever has done a ton, a ton of of land acquisition uh, down in Jackson County um, and surrounding area. At the same time, um, there there is intensive agriculture down there, so there could be there could be shifts uh, in CRP. Um, You look at this past year and what we've seen for crop prices. Anytime crop prices start to go back up into that six, seven, uh, sometimes even eight eight dollar category. Um, especially for for corn, um, you know, CR- CRP has a hard time competing with that, so it can come off the landscape pretty quick. Uh, but that also could be that one of those regional differences where they they picked a day, and that's the day they had to do their count, and there weren't as many birds uh, on the landscape. But Jackson, as a whole, um, has a ton of a ton of wildlife areas and public land. Um, and I think it's a, it's a fair assumption to say that you're, you're still going to find birds when you go down in some of those areas might not be as good as a black or, you know, yellow medicine, um, which, which always seem to hold their own maybe, but, uh, you're still going to find birds in, in some of those, some of those haunts where, uh, people know that there's a lot of, a lot of public access
0: it's i'm guessing somebody listening in pipestone county right now is pumping their fists saying yep nope no birds here this year you guys <laughs> by yeah. by, by, nothing to see here because well, i mean you you
1: look at that you know and and pipestone Pipestone's listed as very poor but then you know the majority of it but then at the very southern tip of it it jumps up to poor and then it jumps up to fa- uh jumps up to fair
0: in the red so
1: i mean like yeah. That's, that's just those regional differences that you're going to discover while you're, while you're looking at reports.
0: If you're, um, I know we have a huge pheasant hunting base in Minnesota, so that's why I'm spending yeah. a fair amount of time here. If yep. you wanted to point out, and I may, I don't necessarily want to give away like your sleeper spots here, Jared, but if there's a, a couple parts of Minnesota that get overlooked generally that you think somebody might have a really good hunt this year, where would you send them?
1: Um, one would be if you're, if you're looking at, the, if you're looking at the map and you want to find an area that, uh, doesn't have as many people, uh, you know, pheasant hunters for the most part flock towards the South Central and Southwest and Western parts of the state, but, um, always almost every single year, uh, East Central, especially up when you get sort of like the Hink, Hinkley region. So that would be Pine County, Cannabit County, uh, kind of by M- Mille Lacs area. Um, there's not as much. Uh, pheasant hunting cover on public lands but if you can find it next to a crop source you're going to find birds it's it's pretty amazing i i do a lot of grouse hunting up there as well and, and early in the morning you know you're driving through some of these places and you're you're like boy is that is that a group of pheasants sitting on a bale? you know it just kind of it kind of catches you because the agricultural region has moved farther north in some of these areas and pheasants pheasants have followed suit um, so I've, I've hunted a little bit, little bit of private land, um, you know, knocking doors and, and one of our, um, one of our staff members up that way, uh, in the East Central region. But I think for the most part, it's uh, it's an untapped resource. And if you can find, uh, if you can find buffer strips, uh, you know, just fields, fields in general that are next to some type of crop, um, knocking on doors could serve you really well. Maybe not the same day, but if you go ahead of time and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm um, coming out with my son or daughter next week, and wondering if wondering if we could hit some of these uh, some of these prairie strips that you have here next to next to corn or beans. Uh, I think people would find a lot of success. So that would that would definitely be one. Um, and then the other one too is you look at the prospects map and you get uh, sort of the West Central region, and um, you know Otter Tail County, Wilkin County, uh, Traverse. Um, and then up into all oh, big stones, always pretty good. But in some of those areas where it's, you've got the white, um, you know, especially otter Tail and Logan, mm-hmm. man, pheasants from the DNR, we've done a lot, a lot of land, land acquisition in those areas. And I can tell you from staff that hunt there, I can tell you from, I've got family that farm out there. Um, my brother-in-law's got a place out there. There's plenty of pheasants in those areas and you will find them and you're going to find a lot less people so mm-hmm. don't uh just because it's just because it doesn't have any color on the map doesn't mean that there aren't pheasants there
0: it, why do, why isn't there any color is there no roadside surveys being done in that area
1: i think i think that's the answer to the question i'm not a hundred percent on that but um they sort of they sort of cap it um at the at the at sort of the farmland region um mm-hmm. and uh, it starts when you start getting up farther north there it starts to switch from agriculture to more forested regions
0: just last question on the Malax, Lacs, Canabic County areas. Um, are you think, like, to, if somebody that typically hunts southwest, you know, they're in the grass and then cattails. I think when you go up into that region, you're talking a lot more forested area and yeah. crops. But yeah. the the habitat you're looking to hunt, would that be more willows, short willows and cattails strips along the field edges? Or what are you yeah. looking for there?
1: Yep. So like up in that region, you're going to have a lot of, uh, sort of wet, wet prairies. Um, you're going to switch over to, you're going to see a lot of goldenrod. You are going to see a lot of cattails, as you mentioned, and you're also going to see, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of scrub brush too. So you're going to up into an area there where, um, there's tailed grouse populations as well. They're, they're not huntable. They're, they're closed, uh, for this season, but the pheasants are intermixed in a lot of those areas. Um, I know I I talked to you on the phone the other day when I was driving up to, uh, took a day off to go grouse hunt on Monday. And I saw uh, a fair number of pheasants, uh, on the roadsides when I was, you know, just a couple miles away from where I was going to grouse hunt, And, um, so I've got those, mind you, I've got those spots marked on Onyx to go, (laughs) to go back a little later. So
0: we need to talk after this conversation, but on your grouse hunt, how did that go?
1: It went really well. I was having trouble getting a bead on birds right away just because the amount of cover that was up. But I ended up uh, in the afternoon, I used, they've got this uh, sort of newish layer on Onyx that's got a forest, forest disturbance layer on it. And mm-hmm. I found a piece in the middle of a section. I had to walk probably a third of a mile, quarter mile, third of a mile to get to it. Uh, but it was a cut from 2014. It was uh, just perfect perfect age for rough grouse and there were woodcock mixing there too and there was an old trail going through the middle of it that I found um that I didn't quite see uh on on my on my onyx map when I was looking at it and I got on that trail and it was easy to swing and in the afternoon the dog dog and I started going to town and we ended up putting uh three three rough grouse in the bag and a woodcock um and it was just a really it was a really fun hunt uh-huh. I'd say Hunting in the morning, taking a break, and hunting in the afternoon, I would say we probably flushed 25 to 30 birds
0: total. Maybe a couple reflushes, but it was was pretty good. That's awesome. I had similar results on my first grouse hunt. The cover's thick, but we did have our first frost last night uh, or two nights ago, and things are going to change drastically. So the best is yet to come for grouse. Hunting season is here, and North Dakota is one of my favorite places to spend a fall day. That's because North Dakota is a bird hunting paradise. You can hunt both waterfowl and upland birds all in the same day, and North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting. This year, North Dakota has a population estimate of 3.4 million breeding ducks, which is 38% above the long-term average. And their prairie pothole region is smack dab in the middle of the Central Flyway. Their spring water index also came way up, over 600% from last year's drought. The habitat on the landscape looks great, and bird reports are strong throughout the state. With a little scouting, you just might find yourself in a field surrounded by wild, flushing pheasants, sharp-tailed grouse, and Hungarian partridge. Plan a legendary bird hunt this fall in North Dakota at LegendaryND.com. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their Good for Life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that. Aluma trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. All right, we'll jump right back into pheasant conversation. Where do you want to go next, Jared? Which state?
1: Um, I think, I think West, you know, North Dakota and South Dakota are those mm-hmm. sort of des- destination spots for a lot of hunters. Um, and you know, you compare, compare year to year from, from 2021 to 2022 here, there's, there's been some pretty drastic changes in the landscape from drought to we've gotten pretty good amounts of rain. Things are greened up, habitat's looking good and birds responded in some of those places.
0: Yeah, there's um, like a 600% increase in the water table in North Dakota this year. If you look at a drought map of the nation, there's zero in North Dakota. You know, you talk about some of these other states further south that really have been impacted. That's one place that it has not. And I know hunting season is open right now for uh, prey birds up there, and there's yeah. a lot of hunters that I've talked to. They're seeing a lot of birds, uh, you know, and the beauty of North Dakota. And when I tell people that ask me, like, if you were going to pick a place to go on a pheasant hunt, where would you go? And I say, a lot of times I say North Dakota, because I like the variety of birds that I get there beyond just the pheasants. You get pheasants, you get sharks, you, you get huns. Yeah. I mean, the, the variety there, um, you know, there's a couple of regions that really stand out always every year, and that's further west, um, yeah. you know, northwest and southwest. I know Emily Spoliar; uh, she she's in this survey here that you guys listed and talks about what she's seeing there. But really, the habitat rebound from last year is just astronomical. Um, you know, and obviously that's going to have a positive effect on the birds. The hatch was good out there, and. Uh, you can, why don't I, will let you let me know or explain what you're seeing by region, but I think West is best.
1: Yep. Yep. West normally is always best, especially that Southwest quadrant, uh, of the pheasant range there is really, really good. Um, as you pointed out, uh, they had, I think they had about, I think it was a 10, um, almost 10% increase this year in the number of birds that they had. Um, and, and that, I think that's going to show in the number of hunters too. So last year, um, the drought really, really killed a lot of pheasants in the state, um, and, and killed up on bird hunting opportunities overall. So they were down 20% for hunters last year in North Dakota. Uh, and they, they harvested just north of 250,000 roosters, um, which was down 20 percent uh to the previous year where they harvested 330,000. but they've got a rebound this year um you know one of the one of the coolest videos that we've posted on social media this year you mentioned emily spoliar she's an uh, awesome biologist out there of uh precision egg and conservation specialist and she posted a video and and then i asked before she sent this to us earlier in the year but she got up a brood of pheasants. I, I think it was probably a, a double brood. There's probably two hens there, but, um, it was like over 25 chicks taken off and in, in like a 15 second video and yeah. any, any time you see that, um, and then anecdotally too, she wrote in the report that, um, you know, as she's been doing her summer scouting and things like that, she hasn't seen a single brood that's been less than eight chicks. And, you know, most have been over, over 10 or 12. So I think that's, uh, that's an, ex- that's an exciting deal for hunters that they can say like, wow, it, you know, the birds really did kick off some good nests this year. The cover came back, um, and the pheasants responded. So I, I think North Dakota is going to be a bit better this year. Um, and there's some really, really big broods that they've been seeing on roadside counts, which is great.
0: Yeah, I, if when emily speaks i listen because oh, yeah. she knows yeah. she knows her stuff i'm actually excited she's our guest next week on the show so oh, be wonderful. sure to uh yeah be sure to tune in for that cuz she's been all over the country as she always does um you know hiking up mountains she did I think spoiler alert here, but she did get the ptarmigan that I were that I went after last year in Colorado, so I'm excited to talk to her about that as well. But um, we'll we'll do a deep dive with her next week on her adventures. But yeah, it, it's always fun when she's given information because she lives there, she's in it every single day, and she's always watching what's happening yep. out there. Um, yep. I, I, if, if there's an area in North Dakota that surprised you, uh, what would that be?
1: um I would probably I would probably say the northwest and that was pointed to in the in the survey that we did in the pheasant forecast as well um overall ringneck numbers up there look to be pretty good I mean you're bordering bordering montana sorta of, and Canada and that northwest section and mm-hmm. the, the birds are the birds are big up there they have to be to survive um, and they got a uh, rain back which which made for a pretty good hatch so Um, it's a really, really long ways to go for most people. Um, And, you know, when you're scheduling time off, not everybody has like, you know, a week and a half, two weeks, but if you can, uh, if you can spare it, you might consider going up towards uh, the Northwest um, divided Williams County specifically uh, look to be pretty good. And uh, it's, you know, traditional stronghold for birds and they've, they've come back with the amount of
0: moisture that we've gotten. What about central and southern and Eastern North Dakota.
1: Those areas are still going to be pretty good. Um, there, there was a fair amount of hail in some of those areas that went through early on. Um, and I've talked to a couple of guys up there who have family that have owned land and say, listen, we're still seeing birds, but you know, they had hail go through. I, I don't know, Travis, did you see some of the, did you see some of the hail videos from early on in the summer up there where people were, people were taking out, uh, people were taking out their snowblowers to get hail off their driveway?
0: yeah i saw that the other thing too that uh in that area was that late monster blizzard that came through north dakota yep. which didn't necessarily hammer the southeast part of it like you're talking but two major weather events that i know are on bird hunting mines
1: yeah and it's just one of those things and people say like well you know pheasants are strong they'll make it through well the biggest the biggest issue you're running into, um, uh, when you're having weather at that point in time, like sort of, sort of during the peak hatch is thermoregulation of chicks. They just can't, they can't control their body temperature for about the first 10 days to two weeks. So they really rely on that hen to help them out in that regard. And when you're getting, when you're getting just monster, uh, you know, hailstorms, and then obviously, uh, wet, heavy snow earlier on, probably probably hampered the nesting process and maybe maybe took a few birds with it um you know that's 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 hard on our favorite upland species so um but the good news is is that we did get rain back in most of the state and uh, I think the the birds have responded in a positive manner
0: just yeah the, the winter overall in the North Dakota statewide I think was pretty favorable for most yep. wildlife and then that even though that that massive storm at the end hit, um, the net gain, you know, I talked to my buddy Tyler Webster out there. We both thought that the net gain, even if we lost a couple birds, the resulting yep. habitat growth, chicks uh, yep. that were going to the, water put on the ground. up a little. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Overall, it's if we lost a couple of hens, the overall net gain from the positivity that came out of the water, the moisture, was that. The, the big uh, broods would survive and, and overall we'd have better bird numbers. And I think that's no, what we're seeing. Be the, yeah. Be, be the case. Yep. Uh, on that, Montana got hammered, you know, 2021 from the drought. And a lot of the biologists that I've talked to in Montana, same deal. They're like, wow, the I mean, it just it's beautiful out here. Like it is just it looks so good. Um and bird numbers are a lot of positivity in Montana as well. Do you want to jump into that state?
1: Yeah, especially especially the eastern third. If you look at uh if you look at the drought map, the most recent drought map that they've they've put out. Um, the Eastern third of that state, especially sort of the Southern Southern half of that Eastern third is, is looking pretty good. Uh, they had a huge, huge grasshopper crop here, which they've eaten, eaten a little bit of the cover. Um, but that's, uh, that's pretty positive food source, uh, for, for all sorts of birds, including pheasants and sharptails and all the other things we love to love to chase around on the prairie. So, uh, things are, things are looking okay in Montana. Um, you know, anecdotally, uh, I've talked to a lot of people that have been hunting out there, especially in the east, and they've been kicking up a lot of pheasants while they've mm-hmm. been out sharp tailed grouse hunting as well. So um, I think in a lot of those areas, you're going to see the grasses come back. And um, I know our rooster road trip is going out to Montana here in a few weeks uh, to hunt. They're going to start on the high line sort of up north and then kind of move move toward the southeast. And uh, just – reports overall from our staff uh seem seem to be seem to be kind of on par with with what we're hearing from other hunters and i think it's going to be a a positive year in montana
0: are you going on the road trip
1: i'm not i'm not i've got uh i've got uh well actually i'll be with the flush here with you in in a few weeks in november and then uh i'll be out in montana um uh let's see here be the first we're camping on the prairie the first week of december so um, really? I'll, I'll, yeah i'll be out there at that time and that's going to be a pretty pretty unique hunt as well
0: oh gosh it's it's awesome it's just such an exciting time of the season generally in montana if somebody has never hunted it for pheasants where would you like where's the hotbed out there where do you recommend people go
1: um, you know, the, the, the South, the Southeast is normally pretty good. Um, it's got great pheasant numbers and the, the habitat's easy to find cause you're, you're hunting coolies and other things like that, um, that have got thicker, the, the thicker, thicker the habitat is where the pheasants are going to be. Um, I really like the area around Lewistown, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of, uh, west of the reservoir. Um, we've done a lot of land acquisition around there as well. Um, some really cool parcels uh, that you can find on our website. Um, we highlighted uh, some of them for Build a Wildlife Area last year. You can go to uh, Montana Pheasants Forever. Um, just look them up on Google and we've got all the sites listed. But between, between uh, upland management areas and block management areas and some land acquisitions, I really like that Lewistown area. You've got a cool mix of, you kind of got this, the Sky Islands going on. Um, it's a really unique background for, uh, for, for chasing birds. And, uh, I would, I would focus around, around there.
0: Awesome. Let's jump down to Wyoming. Pheasant hunting in Wyoming. I've never done it. Have you? I have not. Nope. All right. What do the biologists tell us if we, if we should decide to go there this year?
1: Um, you know, Wyoming, they do have, they do have some wild birds. Um, but they had a really mild winter in 2021 and 2022 that has hopes for better cover, just like the rest of the the drought stricken West. Um, But Wyoming still has a little bit of drought that's persisted through brew green season. So Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a few birds there, but you're going to have to work probably extremely hard to to find some of them Um, that, uh, you know, some of the areas to look uh, Goshen County, Laramie County, um, are some of the areas that have really had a reprieve from the dry conditions. Uh, at least that's what we heard from the biologists out there. Um, so, you know, southeastern Wyoming CRP still consists uh, of a lot of uh, monocultures and things like that. So that really hasn't improved at all from last year. Um, but there there are birds uh, in some of those counties, and you're going to have to work hard to find them, though.
0: Let's move west into areas that um once were great that i think some pheasant hunters wish they could have back let's go to idaho washington and oregon what is the theme this year up there is there is it kind of just holding its own where it's been or is there an up or down
1: yeah i think uh You know, numbers out there, they really pointed to the areas around the Treasure Valley, which works out well because we've got awesome chapters around there that do a lot of habitat work. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we've also got plenty of volunteers out there. Uh, The Upper Snake River chapter is one of them. Um, And they do a lot of outside work as well. And habitat conditions for producing pheasants this year uh, were excellent. Um, and their regional weather, uh, was favorable, uh, this winter for, for pheasants as well. Their snow levels, uh, were at or below average, which is great. Um, so they did say that we did have a lot of adult birds that overwintered well. Um, so as far as like where to look, um, Southeast Idaho is, is probably, probably the area that I would focus on if I was a pheasant hunter. A little harder to find. They've got less CRP than they used to have, Um, but, you know, in in much northern Idaho, there's crop producing land that's bordered by deep draws, um, a lot of service berry, and that habitat offers good protection, uh, you know, from everything, weather included, and, uh, you know, I think if uplanders go that that direction, uh, there's a lot of private ground out there as well. If you do some knocking on doors, you're probably going to find some success. Um, the highest pheasant harvest typically occurs in the southern regions, which is areas two and three. Um, there's a good mix of irrigated fields and riparian cover. And uh, it gets it's really thick this year from uh, some of the rain that they've had in some of those areas. So uh, pheasant broods fared a lot better uh, in that particular region than other places.
0: It, it's from your knowledge of the Pacific Northwest, you know, the, there's such a variety of birds that upland bird hunters can pursue where does pheasant even rank in their priority list out there
1: i think it depends you've got hard you've got hardcore folks that like to chase prairie grouse and really um quail too some of the western western quail species that they have out there i know guys that hunt specifically just just for western quail um you know mountain quail specifically but i would say pheasant is probably probably a top three based based on what i hear Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in some of those areas, they've, they've lost a ton of CRP, um, and just grasslands in general to development. And, um, you know, the, the West in general is still suffering pretty great from drought like conditions. So it's been, it's been hard on the birds, but when we do have a good year, um, it's, it's funny how fast they can respond, but I I would probably say a top three. Um, they're up there with some of the, the Western quail species. Um, mm. and, and prairie grouse as well. And last, ch- you know, I think ch- ch- Chuck are actually starting to come on as a pretty big bird too. to hear about more people hunting them. Um, I've never actually done that before. I think, I think you have in a, in oh, yeah. a, uh, at least a couple different times, but that's, yeah, that's one bird that I, I think is on the bucket list for a lot of people. And I, I know it's, I know it is for me.
0: If you get the chance, definitely do it. Like it is, it's different. It's, is nothing like pheasant hunting, and that's great. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's so much fun. Last year, and this is, you know, I'm looking at the map, and there's states that are highlighted here that you can click on. But I remember driving through Arizona, and we were quail hunting, but that the grass in Arizona last year looked better, thicker, more of it than in South Dakota. And really? I kept thinking, why can't a pheasant live here? Yeah. Because if they've got the bugs, they've got the grass, they've got the cover, the habitat, like do they just need somebody to let a few of them go and see if they can make it? I know that releasing birds doesn't result in I mean, habitat is everything, but like at some point you gotta get the species there. And I wonder, and I maybe the drought comes back and you know it's too dry, but I'm serious, Jared. The that grass last year in Arizona was better than South Dakota by a long oh, shot.
1: I think it's probably better than a lot of the Midwest due to, due to that just extreme drought we had. I think a lot of it comes down when you're, when you're talking pheasants, I mean, they, they are, um, they are a bird of an agricultural landscape. They require that agricultural component, um, which a lot of Arizona uh, does, does not have. So uh, uh, I, I think that's probably, probably part of it.
0: The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I use it on every hunt. Seriously, every hunt. Their app tells me everything I need to know about the lands that I want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on. The app also shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state land or federal lands or walk-in access properties, It's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during the hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters, and there's a timber cut layer to help you find the right forest habitat for rough grouse. If you hunt in North Dakota, there's even a layer that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx apps give you, and these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage from the palm of your hand. Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we change the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive
1: flight control flex wad technology and a mix of copper plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, deadly shot strains through any choke. Longer
0: shots, more power. Fewer missed birds, only from Federal. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything, for your everyday cooking and wild game processing needs. Plus, they have experts on staff to help you learn how to use those products to get the best results. John Tremblay hosts their Meat Gistics podcast, live streams, and live chats, which are interactive learning tools for the meat processing community. If you have questions, John and his team had the answers. From sausage making to smoking, recipes to seasonings, and so much more. Walton's products ship the same day you order. They have over 5,000 items in stock. From grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, smokers, vacuum sealers, Woo! And a whole lot more. Order the same seasonings and supplies that professionals use from the best name in the wild game processing industry. Then sign up for their monthly giveaways. Waltons. they have everything but the meat. All right, let's move on. Keep her, keep her going here Travis. Don't sidetrack. Let's uh, <laughs> anything to touch on with like Utah or California?
1: yeah um you know Utah Utah is an interesting case. Um, they've got their upland bird slam there which is pretty cool that you can go after and, and the the state sends you sends you a coin if, if you connect on all the different species. We just hired a habitat specialist there um, actually in, in partnership with the state agency to do upgrades on some of the areas where uh, pheasants still persist.' Um, they've, that's another state that's lost lost a lot of grassland um and a, a lot of upland shrubland too but um we're in a new agreement now to help put pheasant habitat back on the landscape uh in a uh, in a place like utah which is pretty cool so um if you go on to if you go on to our website uh and click on the pheasant hunting forecast um you know it talks about how they've only got a fairly small number of wild pheasants that uh, a lot of them live on on private cropland or riparian areas but um they the, the Utah Division of Wildlife does, does see them and hear them on wildlife areas throughout the state. So they do, I know they do a little bit of stocking in, in some of the places there in Utah, but you can, you can find wild birds. Um, and uh, the, the northern counties are, are some of the best places to go uh, along with central, central Utah as well.
0: I'm seeing Colorado as a whole. Unfortunately, the drought has continued to, uh, cause a a lack of birds there. Um, and anywhere in Colorado that you feel like, you know, I mean, you still have a lot of those irrigation pivots, even though the drought as a whole has affected things. Um, you feel like it's still a worthy destination for somebody that has hunted there in the past. They may still find birds.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, Colorado has always been sort of that that golden that golden triangle. They've got a best bet section, uh, you know, underneath underneath our Colorado report. And sort of that that triangle of Yuma, Phillips, Sedgwick, Kit Carson. Uh, and Logan counties always seem to ha- have the highest pheasant populations uh, sort of located in the, in the Northeast. Uh, it's always been that way. Pheasants Forever is working really hard out there to put more, uh, to put more pivot corners in. It's our uh, Corners, Corners for Conservation program uh, in partnership uh, with, with state agencies and, and other NGOs out there. But um, yeah, it, it's sort of a similar story to some of the other places throughout Pheasant Country where, water really determines the amount of birds you're going to have on a landscape from year to year uh habitat obviously is the ultimate factor but when you have a drought and are stuck in it uh like colorado has been uh the prospects don't look great um but again if you go out there uh hunting some of those pivot corners hunting some of their bigger bigger public areas uh knocking on doors um i think you'll I think you'll find some success, but that, that Northeast corner, uh, is typically the best place to go. And, and it says right there, the tips for hunters in our report too, that, you know, private land is a good bet if it, if the habitat's in good shape and knocking on doors is, is probably the, one of the best ways to go this year.
0: Texas and Oklahoma, we'll put those two together. I know the drought, this is, we're getting into the major drought area right there. Um, what are we seeing in those two States?
1: Yeah, it's uh, drought has taken them uh, down a serious notch, not just for pheasants, uh, but for for quail as well. Uh, There's probably going to be pockets of birds. And when you're talking Texas, you're basically talking the panhandle. Um, So uh, hunting some of their pivot corners out there too. They actually have, Texas typically has a sort of a pheasant roundup hunt where a lot of private landowners allow people to come out. It's sort of a big community event at the beginning of the year. Um, but trying to, trying to find access is probably the hardest part about hunting pheasants in Texas. So if you're going to go down there, you're going to have to do your research, find the areas where pheasants exist, um, and, and do some door knocking to, to get on some of that private land. Um, you know, public access is improving, though. Um, you know, Pheasants Forever, in partnership with Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, uh, they run a voluntary public access habitat incentive uh, program. In Texas, and we've recently added some new properties in the northern part of the state, um, and actually a really really good pheasant and quail areas. So um that's one thing to to look into if you're going to be hunting hunting Texas.
0: Good information. Oklahoma seems to be Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, and I yeah. say that mean like it is what it is this year. It's it's it feels average.
1: Yeah, they're sort of pretty pretty dry this year as well. Um, there's I know their spring crow count showed lower numbers, a lot of that due to the drought. Uh, They're sort of the same thing. In the panhandle is where you're going to find the majority of pheasants. Uh, If you're going down there, one sort of particular region I point people to is sort of around the 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 Beaver Oklahoma area you've got the uh, Beaver River Wildlife Area there which is over twenty five thousand acres and I know a couple of years ago I was down there quail hunting and we did
0: we did kick up
1: uh, a fair number of pheasants at that time uh, but drought has impacted them uh, just like some of those other southern states it's it's been tough
0: are there quail there I, and I know I mean it's a quail destination but what are the what are you hearing about quail numbers down in Oklahoma
1: Um, quail, so they did have a little bit of late, late rain here, which they're hoping is maybe going to help out numbers. We're in the process of actually writing those reports right now. Uh, for the, for the most part, um, it was incredibly dry, uh, down, down in Oklahoma for, for pheasants or for quail. So, um, it's gonna, it's gonna be touch and go. Um, you're gonna have to look at maps to see where precipitation has fallen. And based on that, is probably where you're going to find the best best uh,
0: quail cubbies well i've hunted in nebraska and had great hunting there before um and sadly i don't know that it's going to live up to what it was a few years ago uh let's let's head north into nebraska what are we seeing there and i think like we mentioned at the start the further north we go the more optimistic so we're going to bring this negativity around here in a second but let's (laughs) let's let's look at nebraska what are the pheasants doing there uh,
1: you know, drought is, drought is pretty widespread uh, throughout Nebraska this year, especially as you go, as you go south and west. Um, but, uh, you know, their, their July rural mail carrier survey uh, showed that, that pheasants were up in different parts of the state. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think the panhandle there is really any secret. That's, that's typically where the highest pheasant populations are. You've got some huge enrollments of open fields and waters programs, especially in the Southwest portion of the state um, for 2022 and 2023, there's 342,000 acres of the open fields and waters program. And if you're pointing to like a, a an access to private land, a, a public access program, I, I would point to open open fields and waters is probably one of the best ones in the nation. Um, if you've never hunted them before, they've just got extremely just quality habitat. Um, and uh, they, you know, pumping out new incentives for for landowners to to help a new, enroll a new property. Um, and last year, at, last year at Pheasant Fest and fundraising, one night we raised uh, hundred thousand dollars that went towards the Open Fields and Waters program to enroll more to enroll more acres as part of our Public Lands Pavilion this past year. So uh, there is more acres available this year uh, to hunt. Um, you know, some of those, uh, some of those might have some hay and grazing going on, but, uh, for the most part, um, there, there are going to be opportunities to find, find pheasants in parts of Nebraska, but it's going to be, it's going to be hit or miss depending on the drought.
0: So that's the big key is, is to be flexible. Uh, I no. can't stress that enough. And we talk about that all the time. If you're going on a bird hunt to a place you've been before and you're just not seeing it the birds that you want to see it doesn't mean that the hunt is done and it's just going to be crap and pack it in like sometimes it's just a matter of doing a little bit of research and finding out hey would did they get more moisture you know it could be a 50 mile drive north west east south whatever to find an area that had more moisture and all of a sudden you're boom you're right back into birds and and le- uh, and like
1: i like i said too they're they're uh Their July rural mail carrier survey, they're up 26% statewide despite the drought conditions. So um, that that bodes well for people that are looking to hunt Nebraska this year. Um, And then another part of that too is if, uh, you know, if you've never hunted there before, um, they actually have a a stubble map uh, that'll be coming out pretty shortly here, especially for like the southwestern portions. And you Mm -hmm. can use that stubble map to see where, uh, Weed stubble fields are enrolled uh and go and hunt some of those uh, they've got sorghum too um, but those uh always turn out pretty well if you can find some nice nice cover enrolled uh, next to some of some of those uh, stubble fields it can turn out to be a pretty pretty good hunt for pheasants and for cool Quail
0: specifically yeah and it changes the game <laughs> a little bit I mean, because it, does. it, it does. is not it is not your cattail bust and hunt i mean those no. birds can run a quarter mile half mile down the down that row of wheat stubble and it is great cover i've, I've hunted it uh the birds are in there it's cool but it's different like you got to approach it different um you know if you've got a couple people it's one of those things where you kind of want to like game plan how are we going to figure out how to stop these runners uh there can be pretty good explosions when you get to the end if you can find a spot to pinch them but it it is a cool hunt it's a cool way to pheasant hunt uh it's a program that i hope grows more and catches on in other states around the country because i think it's an opportunity there for sure
1: one other thing i'd point to too it what you know whether you're in nebraska or any of the other areas that have been going through drought you are going to find uh, you are going to find fields that have been uh, hayed hay or grazed off. But that doesn't mean that all of it's gone. So, uh, you know, a lot of times hunters will pull up to their favorite field that they've hunted in the past, and it's, it's gone through some form of haying or grazing. But you really need to make sure that there's not cover that's been left in the, back, in the back sides of those fields. Some of the best hunts I've had in the past few years have been going to fields that people are just driving by and like oh there's there's a little cattail patch with some grass around it in the back here that was left alone sometimes those can be real hot beds nebraska is no different so make sure people are checking for those um you know as you're as you're going through the paces and checking out
0: the onyx points that you've marked for previous years yep i think i skipped kansas did i skip kansas yeah we skipped yep. kansas i think yep. that i think kansas and nebraska i feel like are very similar uh pockets of areas that again are going to have birds um, you know, but also that drought has impacted. Anything beyond that to touch on for Kansas?
1: Um, you know, not really that that north Northwest portion has always had their highest pheasant counts, but talking to uh, a few farmers and ranchers down there and, and people that hunt down there, um, Kansas is looking a, probably a little bit more bleak this year. Um, you know, the the best bet for pheasant hunters is probably the Smoky Hills region, which is north central Kansas. Um, they actually showed an increase on roadside surveys and high, had the highest uh, roadside density of pheasants uh, for 2022. So um, that's probably a region that I would focus on if I, if I was going there for pheasants. Um, but if you look at our forecast, it's got every region listed there. Uh, talks about the, the number of public acres in, in each one of those locations. Uh, and you can really sort of identify where the pheasants are going to be and where they're not going to be. Um, but, you know, Kansas is one of those states that still has a, a four rooster bag limit, which is one of the reasons a lot of people like to go there and get a little extra bang for the buck. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how quail populations um, do as well, because there could be an opportunity for for a nice mixed bag hunt still in some of those areas, despite the drought.
0: There we go. Uh, Moving to Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. Let's lump all these areas together. Heck, let's even put Michigan in there um, because I want to focus a little bit on Iowa and South Dakota here before we're done with this show. What, you know, a lot of hunters in the East travel West to get into the big eight that we talked about earlier. Um, But there are birds in these states and uh, there's work being done on the ground. Anything that you want to touch on in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, or Missouri?
1: None of those states are are suffering really bad from drought as of right now. Um, they're sort of sort of out of the drought range. My best advice for people hunting those states is um, I I would I would go online, go to us USDA's website, and look and try to find where the biggest grassland enrollments are. So. Um, public lands do hold birds there, and we hear that from our staff. Uh, we've got staff, habitat specialists, farm bill biologists um, that have worked, worked on new enrollments in some of those states. Uh, I think Illinois is actually kind of a super state, especially in the sort of the east-central region. Um, probably not as much public habitat as we'd like to see, uh, but there's a, there's a ton of private CR, CRP ground that it has enrolled a lot of pollinator habitat in the last five years. Uh, and because of that, they're seeing a, a nice influx uh, of pheasant broods in some of those areas. We've got a former staff member out there, Jason Bly, who works for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service now. And uh, they're seeing some some pretty decent rebounds in some of those states. Um, in, or, sorry, in Illinois. In some of the states east of there, uh, it's really looking looking for grassland enrollments. Because where you find the grass, you're going to find pheasants. That's just sort of the name of the game. So. Um, you know, keeping that in mind, I, I think there there will be some opportunities to harvest birds in some of those states. Michigan is obviously one. We've got this uh, adopt a, adopt a State Game Area program going on there right now. And our staff are working hard, uh, upgrading a lot of state game areas with the help of our chapters and partners uh, to make the habitat the best they can be. And they're seeing pheasants rebound uh, on those areas where they're doing great work.
0: As somebody who's never hunted in those states, hunted for pheasants in, like, Illinois or Indiana or Michigan, and, you know, like, we we started this conversation with Minnesota. And, like, you click on Minnesota, and you get a county-by-county, like, breakdown, which is awesome. Like, if you're an out-of-stater and you're traveling to Missouri or Indiana or Illinois, and you mentioned those particular areas, but, like, you know, when we looked at Minnesota in a, like, cannabis County it said greater than 49 pheasants per square mile on their surveys there's no information on any of these other states that say like in your in your area that you're claiming to be higher what are you seeing what's like what's higher? Is it 10 birds per square mile is it 100 birds per square mile i mean i think we all know it's not 100 but what what can you expect in those places
1: you know that's a pretty good question there's some of these states that that don't do their roadside counts anymore so you're basically going off anecdotal evidence uh of and then hunter hunter survey reports at the end of the year to see how many birds were harvested like in a state like illinois a lot of the public land pheasant hunting uh, is sort of restricted to they've got areas that have got really good, uh, really good pheasant cover and pretty decent populations. um, But it comes down to sort of a draw program where you have to put in through through an online system uh, because they just don't they don't want to overhunt those birds because they just don't they don't have enough of them on some of those public areas. So um, I don't I don't know if i have a great answer for you on in that regard because a lot of you know illinois specifically we talk about it in here is a lot of the a lot of the pheasant hunting quail hunting opportunities are going to be on private lands because you know i feel very fortunate we live in a state like uh minnesota um you know in some of the surrounding states here we have a lot of public land we just do mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that's the reason why we get a lot of upland hunters coming our direction um, we're doing our doing our best to you know do do land acquisitions and do the necessary things to get birds back um, in some of these eastern states as well. Um, but it it comes down to having quality habitat, and we're going to continue to work to put more public habitat on the landscape so people have a place to go. Access
0: let's look at let's look at a place states. you and I both love, and a place you know, that does give us information that we're looking for: Iowa. Man, I can't wait. You and I get to hunt together in Iowa in a few weeks, and I'm pumped, man. Like I am just excited yeah. about it. Uh, there's a. If you click on this map, you get a breakdown. They even break down the cottontail population. Like, let's oh, go. Yeah, yep. what, yeah. They
1: never. Uh, in the twelve years that I've worked for Pheasants Forever, I've never gone. Uh, I've never gone for a hunt in Iowa and not had just a a wonderful time. Um, despite, despite some of the reports, like they don't have as much public land as a lot of other States. I understand that, but, um, you know, if you're staying away from the opener and you're going a little bit later on in the season, there's a lot of pheasant hunting opportunities and almost, almost the whole state. Like you look at, look at Iowa's forecast on our website and you look at the 2022 game distribution, pheasants, gray partridge, quail, cottontail, um, you know, even though, even though there's uh, some whites specifically sort of in the southern portion of the pheasant range and, and out east that says it's poor hunting, pheasants are distributed in just about every county uh, in, in the in the state of Iowa. And there's some really, really good areas this year. Uh, they got their Iowa Habitat uh, and Access Program, IHAP, which is basically their walk-in program that mm-hmm. you and I hunted on the flush a couple years yeah. ago. You, you, yeah, you know how good some of those areas can be. Um, you know, talking with some of the landowners and things that I I know down there from my, my previous experience as a, as a regional rep in Iowa, um, Iowa is set for another great year. They had a 20% bump uh, in the number of birds um, that they're seeing on their roadside counts. And especially that uh, North central and Northwest region and West central regions are going to be really, really good. They're going to be really good.
0: Oh gosh. I'm excited just thinking about it. And the cool thing I see these little areas of gray partridge uh being up in the central north central region and central region. Hungarian yep. partridge whale man. Like I love oh, yeah. I yeah. love it. I know you do too, but like I think if we're gonna do a road trip through Iowa this year, which I can't wait for, but I, part of me was hoping Dude. that we stop in some uh Huns habitat. You no, know,
1: uh, you know, talking uh talking with some of the people that we're gonna be hunting with while we're down there, they've been seeing great partridge and you know as you know I, I think, you know, you get up into North Dakota, or Montana, and you've got some areas with small grains, it's maybe a little bit easier to key in on those birds. In a state like Iowa, it's sort of, if you run into them, you run into them. Um, but uh, I think there will be a chance for hunters this year uh, on some of those public areas, especially in the north central part of the state. There's some, there's some areas there that uh, great partridge expanded significantly from, from 2021, which is pretty cool.
0: All right, let's end it here. Let's end it in South Dakota, the self-proclaimed pheasant capital of the world. Uh, interestingly enough, and you probably can't speak to this as much about, you know, what they decide to release for information, but a couple years ago, they just decided to not give out pheasant numbers. And they didn't want to not have people come out if the numbers weren't looking good. Well, they chose to do that at a terrible time because the pheasant numbers rebounded, and yeah. uh, you know people yeah. didn't know about it necessarily. I am on a, t- a multiple text threads with people. One of them is on here, Darwin Wheeldryer, who's uh, quoted in this uh, report for South Dakota. And I'm seeing the birds on the landscape. There is a lot of optimism for South Dakota. I think overall, I think we're looking at a great hunting, pheasant hunting season in South Dakota. It's always good, but when it's really good, it's, it's like, it's why people travel all over the country to go there.
1: Yep. You know, you often hear the saying like a bad year in South Dakota is a great year anywhere else in the country. Um, and. I think for this year, you know, even though the, the roadside count numbers, um, you know, they, they aren't they aren't doing them anymore. Uh, maybe they'll come back in the future. I'm not sure. But what we have to go on is what we're seeing from landowners, what we're seeing from our farm to biologists. We've got a very robust team of biologists in South Dakota, um, and just ante- anecdotal reports of people going through the state. And if you look, uh, if you look at sort of the drought map, um, I think south of south of i90 so like the su- southern third of the state i think is going to be a little little tough um, i've talked to landowners in those regions as well um, the cover's just not there there's a lot of it that's getting um, emergency hay and grazed uh there's CR- crp acres so a lot of that's not going to be there but when you go north of when you go north of i90 um, you you know sort of in that jim river and in, in the in the uh, sort of middle part of the the eastern third of the state the gin river crep that that's there um i let me throw this out there i had a landowner send me a video text message the other day and he was he was rolling down the road uh in one of his tractors and in front of him and it was a it was a it wasn't a great video he was holding the camera the wrong way so it sort of compressed it but like you just wouldn't believe the number of pheasants that were coming out of the ditch and running down the road in front of in in, in front of his farm implement. I mean, it was just it was absolutely insane. And that, uh, you know, that was sort of around the that was sort of around the Aberdeen region, as I pointed to before. But, uh, you know, anecdotally, the stories that we're hearing, uh, big broods, healthy, they hatched early. There was plenty of rain in South Dakota uh, and those areas that got it. The cover just looks absolutely phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. And on the Aberdeen you and I both are friends with Casey Weismantle out there with their with their tourism. He's a pheasant hunter and it's it's like one of those tourism, uh departments in america that revolve around pheasant hunting so if you want to understand the area he's very good and i've directed a lot of people his way i know you probably have too and he will tell you like here's where you might want to stay here's what we're seeing and he'll point you in directions um i think there's a lot of optimism in that region the north northern half eastern half of the state Um, you know, just really looking like it's going to have a great pheasant hunting season this year. Um, And that's a great resource right there to kind of point you to where you can go to do it yourself or if there's any pheasant lodge out there that you might want to visit, he can kind of help you uh, with that as well too. So um, with, with that, we've kind of, I think that sums up our tour of pheasant country. But Jared, is there any sleeper spot let's let's last question any sleeper spot in the country that you or your staff just says like hey this isn't showing up necessarily on any reports but this is a spot that I have to hunt this year I really wish I could
1: yeah so one one spot and I'm saying this from having a lot of friends that are on the landscape but uh, central, particularly central Iowa, it wasn't the top, it wasn't the top rank uh, in, in Iowa's pheasant forecast. Uh, I think it ranked third behind the north, maybe fourth behind northwest, north central and west central. But the, the central regions of Iowa, you have some absolutely massive complexes in some of those regions that can hold a ton of birds. And I'm talking anywhere from... Uh, you know, Des Moines up through, up through Ames and even Fort Dodge and uh, east and west of those regions, let's say two counties. Um, those have, those have always had the opportunity to hold birds and the weather just didn't work out. I mean, Iowa was stuck in a, uh, a massive snowstorm between 2000, 2008 and 2012 that knocked, knocked their populations back significantly. But uh, they've rebounded big time and, and talking with friends and farmers and staff down in some of those regions. The, the pheasants look really good, maybe even better than what we are seeing on the roadside counts. So that would be one particular region that might not show up uh, on uh, the, the pheasant forecast, but is defi- definitely an area, uh, especially if you're coming from the south or coming from the east, um, and you want to stop somewhere, maybe not have as far of a drive and more time to hunt. Uh, I truly believe you will find success um, in in an area like Central Iowa. That that would be one for me that uh, I would I would put on the list.
0: Love it, love it. I would. I'll add this last last thought to the show. When you're planning your hunt, uh, Pheasants Forever's team of biologists are so useful in helping to um, give you information that can help you. You can find their list of biologists just by going to pheasantsforever.org and doing a little searching. Um, And they'll give you uh, what they're seeing on the landscape and direct you. I don't think anybody would say, I need a GPS coordinate or an exact property, but more so just like, where. point me in the right direction, maybe. And you might be amazed at the information that you'll get from these biologists that are also hunters that really understand the land next week i'll be back with emily spoliar i am excited for that conversation jared i can't wait till we hunt together buddy it's going to be a good season
1: it's going to be a great season and i hope everybody has a safe one and um you know if you've got a new dog this year or you take a new hunter out um all the better so get out there and get after the roosters and uh it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great season here all the way through all the way through january
0: excellent we'll be back next week with another episode of the flush podcast